Hello, everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and welcome back to the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Joining me today are Scott and Dawn Smith, again on the podcast. Welcome. Hello, Hi, Emily. Emily. Hi. This is episode 20, and today we are going to look at Ephesians 4. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the midst of our church-wide study where we're reading through the book of Ephesians together. Um, we've made it through chapters 1 through 3, mm-hmm. where Paul um, sets up who we are in Christ, talks about our inheritance in him. He talks about um, how he has saved us from our previous life of sin and walking in darkness and now um, in Christ. Um, and then he goes on to talk about the mystery mm-hmm. of um, how God has brought in the Gentiles to be fellow heirs with the Jews, mm-hmm. um, that the the one new man in Christ. And mm-hmm. so we're going to transition into chapter four today where Paul kind of goes into the practical outworkings of um, living in Christ. So Scott, why don't you start us off um, as we talk about chapter four? Yeah, so as you were saying, Emily, um, really chapter three kind of sets up this whole idea of how Paul has been now, he has been called by God to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And that had to be, as we were talking about this morning in our staff meeting, that had to be a shock to the system of the Jews and that they had been called for centuries uh, God's chosen people. And they their national identity, their way of life, everything, who they are, how they believed, how they behaved, everything was encompassed in their identity as the God's chosen people. And now Paul is kind of changing the script a little bit on them and saying, hey, God from the foundations of the world has also prepared this other segment of people, the Gentiles, to be grafted into this, to be part of the family of God. And so he's picking up now after the first three chapters, he's saying, with this in mind now, I want you to understand how we as a body of Christ interact with one another and I found it very interesting in in the first three verses of chapter one he looks at these our way he says I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called and he says it this way with humility with gentleness with patience showing forbearance to one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the p unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. After our conversation in, in the last episode, Emily, and you, you kind of shared personally uh, an experience from you and Benji and just how uh, an issue came up that there was differences that led to some form of division of, uh, and, and conflict between mm-hmm. them. And I, I got to thinking, you know, that's just inevitable. That's, that's going to play out for all of us. Whether it's in marriage, whether it's in family, whether it's at work, whether it's in our community, even within our churches, there's just there are differences. And so it just made me as we've been reading this week in Ephesians chapter four, it's made me think, how do we address this thing when we have differences? Now, for the sake of it, we're going to address Ephesians four just in the context of marriage. But the beauty of what Paul is saying here is this. When there are differences, and we're going to talk just about differences between husband and wife. When there are differences, our approach to it, our attitude, first and foremost, has to come from a position 
from what you said earlier about our identity in Christ, it has to come from a place of humility. It has to come from a place of gentleness and patience, of forbearance with one another, as Paul says, in love, and eager, this eagerness to maintain the unity of peace. So as we're, how does this play out practically? If there's a d- difference between me and Dawn, she sees something one way, I see it another. It is incumbent upon me to approach that difference from a position of humility. And one way I've learned is just to say to her, hey, honey, help me understand how or wh- why you see it that way. Obviously, I see it different. I have a different perspective, maybe a different desire. But how, how do we approach these differences and so he's saying there okay you're going to have these differences scott but when they come up it's it's really crucial to have a specific attitude and it is a christ-like attitude now he transitions at the end of it i'm skipping down to get into just some practical things here verses 25 and through 32 he gets very practical in how we go about resolving differences. And for those who know me, you know I like acrostics. And so when I was reading these passages the past several days, it just stood out to me, this acrostic, resolve, R-E-S-O-L-V-E, how do we go about resolving our differences? So, Dawn, if you'll read for us verse 25, just to start, start us off. Okay, just you want just verse twenty five, and well, you want read, me to do yeah, the whole read, passage yeah. that we're going to focus yeah, on today. Okay, through, through thirty two. Yeah, that'll be good. Okay, I'll be reading from NIV, Ephesians four twenty five through thirty two. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So that's Ephesians four twenty-five through 32, the end of chapter 4. And Paul's getting very practical here, guys, on when we have differences, how do we go about resolving those differences with others? And we're looking at it specifically today through the lens of marriage. So if I have a difference, Dawn and I have a difference with one another, just from what she read from verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. The first step in this, in this framework of resolving differences, is we have to remove falsehood. Now you say, well, Scott, what, what exactly are you talking about? In the context of marriage, how I see it play out often is if Dawn and I in these falsehoods, you can think of an exaggerated statement is is a falsehood. If I say to Dawn in the the context of a difference, a confrontation, a conflict with her, you always or you never 
that is a false statement. I have to remove those. I have to focus, as Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, focus on what is true. He says, whether then, whether it's true, whether it's honest, whether it's right, whether it's good, Scott, focus on those things. And so, the key part of this is really removing those falsehood statements. And often those falsehood statements for us, Em, are not just the things that we say, but it's the things Thinking. that we believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because the things that we believe inevitably affect what we say about That's one right. another. Yeah. And so very first step in resolving differences between husband and wife is to just pray, Father, is there anything that I'm believing about my partner that's not true? Mm -hmm. And help me confront that with what is true. Now, we live in a culture today, guys, that it's all about, well, that's your truth or that's my truth. And the more I've thought about that, there is only one truth. Jesus didn't say in John eight thirty two, you shall know a truth and that truth will set you free. You shall know your truth and your truth will set you free. He didn't say it that way. He, sh- he said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we have to remove false statements, false beliefs about our partner as we're wanting to resolve these differences. Verse 26 and 27 says this. He says, be angry and do not sin. Here's one thing that stood out to me about anger. I think many of us often think that anger is a sin. And anger really is not a sin. It's how we express our anger that can become sinful. Uh, So really the E here, we've talked about remove falsehood. The E here is express anger appropriately. Dawn could be angry at me, and that's okay. It's okay for her to be angry. We we saw that Jesus himself showed anger in the temple when he went in and saw the money changers who were defrauding the people who were coming on their pilgrimage to be in the temple, and he was angry about it. So we can have, Paul, Paul said it this way, Scott, be angry with Dawn. Dawn, be angry with Scott. Emily, be angry with Benji. But do not sin. He says that this way, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, years ago uh, in, in our marriage, it was often, I'm, what I found, Emily, is we have ways of wanting to resolve conflict. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm like Barney Fife. I just want to nip it in the butt mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like if there's an issue between me and Dawn, I, I want to approach it. And I'm a literalist at times when I read scripture. So 30 years ago when I would read this patches, I'm like, honey, we cannot let the sun go down on your anger. So at 10 o'clock at night, I'm kind of tapping Dawn. I'm tapping <laughs> Dawn. Hey, girl, are you asleep? Are you asleep? Because we need to talk. Well, that did not go over well. And it didn't go over well for you, honey, because why? Because I, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I need, you know, I need some time to process some things. And when it, it's past 9 o'clock, I mean, I literally just cannot, I'm not, not going to have a, a, mm-hmm. a really productive conversation with anybody. So yeah. for me, that it, it never worked well to try to resolve conflict past nine o'clock at night yeah and are you able to lay there and not stew like what do you do in your mind I may stew a little bit but I, but I can go to sleep yeah and typically in the morning for me is when I'm 
I can process things a little bit better. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? After I've gotten a, after I've slept, I can. Now it's if I'm angry, like if I'm angry with Scott, I can sleep. If I'm worried about the kids, I can't sleep. <laughs> it's weird, isn't that strange? Whatever you know. So, so it's two it's two different mindsets. But but for for us, we had to learn and accept. Um, that we are different in how mm-hmm. we resolve conflict yeah. and that it's not necessarily sinful to to go to sleep you know to go down on your problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was the anger is the anger that needed to be dealt with or that I could say okay I'm I'm not angry I'm just not ready to talk about yeah. this yeah. if we talk about this I am going to be yes. more and more angry and not able to resolve it so for us we learned that it's better for us in our relationship mm-hmm. to make some relative peace before we go yeah. to sleep and then resolve the issue itself in the morning That's or right. the next day, mm-hmm. but yeah. within short order. Yeah. yeah. I think Emily, for us, one of the things helpful for us years ago, Neil Anderson, as Dawn kind of alluded to, said it this way. Scripture teaches us Ephesians four twenty six: do not let the sun go down on your anger, but it does not teach that we cannot let it go down on our problem. And so how Dawn and I have done it, practically is this it might be i know she's fatigued it's tired she, she, biologically she's beginning to shut down mentally physically emotionally now's not a good time so i might lovingly kiss her and say honey i know we're not going to resolve this issue tomorrow but if we tonight. can or t- tonight but if we can talk about it tomorrow at lunch that'll be great mm-hmm. and we can do that yeah you know i'm i'm i know the issue's not resolved I love you. You love me. We're committed to make this thing work, and we're gonna. We're not gonna sweep it under the rug. And that has worked That's for good. us. So it's teaching us how to express anger appropriately. Right, because these two, the ones that we just covered of falsehoods and um, and anger, and we've we've talked to them about this before. Is the danger of um, dividing thoughts that we're going to live separately internally a long time before couples live separately externally, mm-hmm. and that these two areas specifically of falsehoods of not being truthful and not being able to speak truthfully. Sometimes I feel like it takes me a while to get down to my issue to understand what it is, so that mm-hmm. I can actually speak to Scott truthfully about mm-hmm. what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and then also just how do I uh, deal with my anger is because I don't want to live in a divided thought life from my husband. Mm -hmm. You know, unity must be for Scott and me. We might not agree on everything, but it's not something that's driving wedges in in me Mm -hmm. externally, that's turning me away from my marriage internally in my thought life, Mm -hmm. rather something that's turning me towards Scott. And Mm so we want to be able to resolve the things that we can resolve quickly because it's dangerous for couples to live in divided thoughts Mm -hmm. for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the things you said there, honey, is, you know, it's important for us to understand is that diversity does not necessarily mean there's division. And what has helped me through the years is understanding we can be united in our diversity. For instance, uh, in the way that you feel things, you feel things deeply about the children because of how God has wired you as a wife as a mother, as a nurturer, as a caregiver, those things, you feel those things deeply. As you've told me through the years, honey, it's like when the kids, the kids are like my heart walking around Mm -hmm. outside my body. And I love our children, but I know 
as I've looked at how you feel things and how I feel things, it's just different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that your way is wrong and my way is right or vice versa. It's just different. And we've had to learn to embrace the diversity of those differences without letting it divide us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Paul says it this way in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. We were listening. We went to a conference at uh, Church of the Highlands in Birmingham a few years ago to uh, hear a marriage mentor, um, Jimmy Evans. And he said this, Emily, and it just stood out to me. He said this. He said, the enemy, speaking of Satan, the enemy, Scott, is anxious to counsel you about dawn as you sleep. And that that literally I it's been a it's been a while back but I remember one night Emily Dawn and I had a difference about I don't even remember the topic that but we did not resolve it well Mm -hmm. it was not even to the point that I kissed her good night we actually went to bed angry at each other and I knew okay Lord this because he says it this way in verse 27 he says Scott, do not give an opportunity to the devil. That word opportunity is, is, is topos, T-O-P-O-S, in, it transliterated from the Greek is topos, where we get our word topography, which he's basically saying, he's literally saying, do not give, Scott, the devil an inch of ground to stand on. Mm. I've heard it said before that a toehold, if you give the devil a toehold, he will eventually get a foothold, and that foothold will become a stronghold. A toehold becomes a foothold, a foothold becomes a stronghold. And Paul's encouraging, Scott, do not give the devil an opportunity. And from what Jimmy said there, Scott, the enemy is anxious to counsel you about dawn in your sleep if you're angry with her. And so I literally prayed this time back when we were we had this issue. I prayed through the lens of Philippians 4, 7. Lord, guard my heart. Guard my mind tonight in Christ Jesus. Do not allow the enemy to come in and to counsel me about dawn because I know we have this issue that has yet to be resolved. Yeah. And so we just have to think about it that way. One thing about expressing that I do want us to think about when we talk about expressing anger appropriately, uh, I think John Trent uh, helped us see this years ago, probably 20 years ago. He, he talked about in conflict for you and Benji to a- attack the issue and not Each to other. attack one another. Yeah. Staying on the issue, and we'll talk about this in the next next episode, how do we identify what the issue is? And there's a specific way in this passage that Paul will teach us how to um, identify what the issue is. So a key aspect in addressing or expressing anger appropriately, guys, is stay on the issue. Do not attack the person or the relationship. And you may say, well, Scott, how do I know if I'm, I'm on the issue? I can tell you, Emily can know, you can know, Emily, if you're attacking Benji, you're moved off the issue when you begin saying, well, Benji, you always or you never. Yeah. You, going back to verse 25, you're making those false statements. 
you're now attacking him. You're no longer attacking the issue. Mm -hmm. And so that is a key piece in understanding how to express anger appropriately. Let me share one more, and then we'll bring this um, episode to a close, and we'll pick up in the next episode. In verse 28, he says it this way, and I've always thought that just seems out of place, really, because in verses 25 through 32, it appears that he's addressing a people who were at odds with one another. But in the midst of that, in verse 28, he says this, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, I do know Paul is giving practical advice to the Ephesians, how to put off the old man and how to put off put on the new man and so he's given some practical advice obviously there were some people there in Ephesus that were making their living by stealing they were not working they were stealing the things that they needed but in the context if you put it in the context of where we are with regard to differences you can think of it this way a refusal to steal anymore demonstrates integrity honesty and a purity of heart if 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 I if I have stolen in any way something that's not mine, if I am choosing to put that off, that may have been my former way, and I am choosing to put on honesty, integrity, and purity of heart to work for the things that I have rather than steal things that I have. Think about it this way, guys. Integrity, honesty, and purity of heart, those are values that are integral in your ability to resolve differences. If you don't have honesty, if you don't have integrity, if you don't have purity of heart, I can guarantee you when there is differences, when there's conflict between you and your spouse, it's not going to get resolved well because you, you have a divided heart. And so let those who steal, steal no more. So the S is steal no more. And I also think this kind of speaks to you know, Emily, we, we had staff meeting earlier, and Emily was really, we were talking about Ephesians and just this idea of being, finding contentment mm-hmm. in the Lord. That when we find our own contentment in the Lord, then we're just not as likely to be um, insecure about going mm-hmm. to talk to somebody yeah. about the Lord. Or, uh, or, And I find that that might be even true here is that if I find my contentment in the Lord, then I'm less l- likely to want to take something that's not mine. That's so right. in the marriage relationship, you know, are we more takers of the emotional mm-hmm. space in mm-hmm. the relationship? Mm-hmm. Do we demand, yeah. you know, something for ourselves? But when we are content in the Lord, when we're receiving from him, mm-hmm. then we can trust him to meet the needs that we have, that we perceive that we have, because mm-hmm. someone who steals has a perceived need and they maybe feel like the only way I can get it is to to, is yeah. to take it from some other place. Mm-hmm. But when we understand that God has promised to be our need meter, that he, he will give us what we are lacking, even in a relationship, mm-hmm. um, that we don't have to reach out and grab for power or grab for love or all, all of those things that we can actually be about the work, a productive work in a relationship mm-hmm. of, being kind in the home of loving our spouse of serving in that capacity that we would have something to offer Mm -hmm. in the home rather than just 
always being the one who su- sucks it out and yeah. Yeah. takes all yeah. of that, all of it, all the space up in the relationship. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting how he said, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work so that he may have something to share. That's Not right. so that you have what you need, yeah, but so that right. you have something to share. So if you're, mm-hmm. like you said, being pra- being content in the Lord yourself, mm-hmm. letting him meet your needs, then you can operate out of that you have overflow of to his share. love yeah, yeah, to right. share that that's with right. your spouse. That's yeah. good. Which means yeah. an abundance. Yeah. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. So just to recap, r- the R is remove falsehoods. That's from verse 25. E, express anger appropriately from verses 26 and 27. And S is steal no more from verses from verse 28. Um, so we will pick up in the next episode and go over O, L, V, and E. So tune back in. 